Good evening and welcome to our chat about Limerick's history with the All-Ireland, the Lee McCarthy Trophy. I'm delighted to be joined by Liam O'Brien and James London of Queen Yard Limerick. I suppose, lads, recently we've been blessed in Limerick with, uh, with three All-Ireland finals in four years to look forward to recently, but Limerick's overall history with the, the Lee McCarthy hasn't been as fruitful as in recent years. Uh, Jack and Liam, good evening. Um, no, uh, we, we first entered the championship in 1889, the first two years we didn't field. So in 1887, when Tipperary won the first championship, we didn't field. And in 1888, we didn't field either. But first time we field was against Clare in 1889 against New in Newport, and we lost. We got to final somewhat against the run of play in 1897 with um, a, an outfit which was ostensibly Kilfinnan. But they beat uh, my own home club, Capmore, in the final, and they took four of the best Capmore men with a number of Kilfinnan men and another a number of lar a large number of other men from around the south of the county and beat a Kilkenny team of Tullerone in the 1897 final. The next final we got to was in 1910. Uh, Tyler Mackey, Mick Mackey's father, played in the 1910 final against uh, Wexford. Uh, I think it was played in Jones's Road in before it became Crow Park. And we lost, believe it or not, by a score of seven goals to six goals and two points. And what was actually more interesting about that game, guys, was that it was refereed by a Limerick man, a gentleman called Michael Crow who is, a, 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 I believe, a, a granduncle of uh, Kieran Crow of the um, Green and White fame, and um, Ty Stone and uh, the fantastic books that himself and uh, Joe Lyons did uh, um, in the last couple of years on Limerick's great successes. To, we played another final in 1911, or we didn't play another final in 1911. We were supposed to play in early 1912, and it never was, uh, in early 1912, it wasn't played and it lingered on the controversy as to whether we would field or not. Eventually, Kilkenny were given the game in uh, four months later in June 19, or two, two, uh, 1912. So unfortunately, that's one that got away as well. Our next final was 1918 when we beat um, when we beat Wexford. We got revenge for 1910, uh, and then we won in, in 1921. Bob McConkey with the the the, the very first presentation of the old McCarthy Cup, which was retired in the late 80s, I believe, because it was just so battered and so bruised that it had to be taken out of circulation. But that seminal picture of Bob, Bob with the with the hooped uh, jersey and the, the new McCarthy Cup, I think, adorned at the front of the 2020 vision book that the two guys, um, Kieran Crow and Joe Lyons, uh, produced there at the end of the 19, 2019 um, uh, season or year. We got to, so we were, we'd won 1897, lost 1910, lost 1911, won 1918, won 1921. Uh, we got to our next final in 23 and we lost to Galway, who it was their first All-Ireland in a huge upset. Uh, it was it was recounted in the newspapers at the time that Limerick just literally had to turn up. But unfortunately, I think we lost 7-5 to 4-6 uh, in early 1924. Uh, the next final was the start of the great era in 1933 and we lost to Kilkenny by four points which was the start of the Mackeys and the Powers and and you know that, that whole generation with uh, the Rhines and the, the Classies the, our real our real golden era we won in 34 in a draw replay against Dublin of which there is I believe some uh, British Pathé um, um, film on uh, YouTube for anybody who wants to look that up and it certainly was a different game to what it is nowadays we lost 35 by a point to Kilkenny. Um, it is renowned that McMackey had, had an opportunity at the very end of that game to draw it. And instead of going for the score to draw the game, he uh, uh, went for a goal and it was blocked and no replay in 35. But our probably our greatest single success to date was in 36, where we went to America first in uh, early in the year and came back, played a monster final, haven't gotten a buy into it, uh, beat Tipperary by... Um, what was a cricket score? I think McMahon got five goals and three points in that in that monster final, and then won the final by five six to one five. So we won the final against Kilkenny in thirty six by thirteen points, and then next was nineteen forty, which is we ha I have that program and uh, Jack, you might put it up there on the. There it is. It is I believe it was two old pens. Uh, it was a twelve page program, uh, seven pages of which are songs. Believe it or not. Two, page, two pages of the senior teams, a page of the minor team. And what's great or what's historic about that program is that we were in the 
minor final as well and we played Antrim and we beat Antrim by a very large score on 40. It was Antrim's only final, minor final to date and we beat them very comprehensively that day but we won the, the senior game by 3-7, 3-8 to 1-7 and there is absolutely fantastic pro photographs of Mick Mackey coming back into Limerick with the, the large top coat on and holding the trophy at the station in Limerick. And unfortunately, then we went into a very barren period at the end of the, at the early, uh, in the, at the start of the 40s, and we didn't see another Earl Iron final in 1973. Unfortunately, we had that one great Mackey's Greyhounds in 55, Dermot Kelly and the Ryan Roos of Capmore, my own home parish again, and um, those others who surprised a Clare team who reputed, who had beaten the previous uh, six champions. They had beaten the three-in-a-row team of Tipperary and they beat the three-in-a-row team of Cork in the preliminary rounds of Munster final. But unfortunately, a very hot day in 55, they came up against um, a Limerick team that had literally come out of nowhere to win that. But unfortunately, we lost the semi-final against Wexford. And then we had to wait right through to 1973 for next Ireland. And I'll let Liam talk through that one first. Yeah, so I suppose, uh, I suppose when you look at it now in hindsight, um, that 33 year gap between 1940 and 1973, even though it's 12 years shorter than 1973 to 2018, in fact, it's actually much more barren, a spell in terms of Limerick hurling and where, where we were at, at least between 73 and uh, 2018, we won um, five or six months of championships, several national leagues and, and quite a few underage titles as well. Between, as James alluded to, between 40 and 73, we won one Munster title, um, only appeared in Core Park once, um, got to a league final in 58, was not again Wexford beat us that day, got to two minor finals in the 60s, 63, 65, lost to two of those to Wexford in Dublin. Um, a but, 58 minor team as well won. Yes, sorry, 58 minor team won as well, yeah. Um, but none of that 58 minor team really kicked on, I suppose, with the exception of Tony O'Brien, who was the National League winning captain with Limerick in 71. Um, it was really those minor teams of 63 and 65, um, backed by um, the Sexton Street um, uh, golden era in terms of Harty Cups um, that fed into the 73 team. And the rise of Patrick Swell, I think, as well, was a huge factor into the 73. Patrick Swell won their first county in 1965, a relatively new club. Um, and... Play, played a huge part and still play a huge part in the recording to this day. And I would actually almost align Patrick Swell's influence in 73 with Napierty's influence in 2018 in terms of a new club coming on the scene, producing uh, top quality players in the county. But coming back to 73, um, first final in 33 years against Kilkenny. Kilkenny were hot favourites. Uh, Limerick had famously won a Munster final and a hot day in Thurlis by a Winning point by, by Richie Bennis from the 70 the last minute. Um, 40,000 Tipperary people still say it was wide, but sure, that's that's their tough look. Um, but a wet day in Croke Park, a seven point win, and it was an 80 minute final in those days. Was it between 70 and 71 and 75? It was 80 minutes, James, wasn't it? 71 and 74. I think they went back to 70 in, in 75. Okay, so it was an 80 minute final. Um, the Kenny were missing a couple of players. Um, the Tracy and sorry, was it Parcel Tracy and Care? Care, yes, yeah. Um, but as opposed to as a counterpoint, Limerick were missing Mickey Graham, who broke his leg in the National League final that, that spring against Wexford. And in another way, they were missing an ace forward, Eamon Cregan, who they reverted to center back for the game, which was kind of a sensation at the time. And it actually proved to be a match winning, um. Uh, move um, because he basically kind of snuffed out Pat Delaney, who was probably the main uh, spearhead of that Kilkenny attack. Um, Richie Venice scored 10 points in that final, two monster points in play. One of them is actually in your intro, Jack, I think, as well, eight from freeze. And a wet day to score eight freeze in Cole Park is not bad going or in really heavy conditions um, as well. But uh, you also had notable performances that day from the likes of Sean Foley uh, as well, Pat Harting in full back. Um, and um, yeah, it was it was a famous day in the rain, 33 years, and I suppose at the time everyone was promising themselves it'll never happen again. We'll we'll never have to wait this long again, and we all know what happened, you know. The other thing you have to remember, Liam, is 
uh, for our generation, I'd say, you know, kids born in the 60s and in the 70s, uh, when TG4 came on board in the late 90s and they started showing these games in what was called uh, GA Gold or TG, what was it? Or what was it called? GA Gold? What was All it? Ireland Gold. All Ireland Gold. The Holloway Hattig used to introduce it. All Ireland Gold. Mm. It was just sensational to see all these old games. And I mean, I, I had never seen the 73 final in its totality. What's interesting about the 73 final is a lot of the old RTE footage from those finals was recorded over. So they have almost no coverage of any of the finals in the 60s, even though they were televised live by RT from the time that RT uh, was uh, instituted, or as in the radio television rather than radio, radio Aaron. The first fun final, I think the first full All-Ireland hurling final they have in colour certainly was 71. So I don't think they have a full uh, video or full audio or full um, tape of 72, and they have a full tape of 73. But if people look closely, the video or the quality of the video between the first half and the second half is substantially different. So there were different tapes used to record between the first half and the second half. But back in the 90s, when um, in the late 90s, seeing this footage for the first time ever was just absolutely a gobsmacking. And I mean, I used to watch it. And of course, obviously, they, the Limerick supporters running on the pitch at the end would bring a tear to many people's eye and still does for me. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, sorry to cut across you there. I just just coming on from your point to seventy three and seventy four. It's probably people looking at this now will contrast it with the the, the current squad. But what was the difference in seventy three and seventy four with the team obviously winning by seven points in seventy three, but suffered a heavy enough defeat to the same opponents twelve months later? Lean, I suppose. <clears throat> Um, it's it's it, it, Kilkenny with revenge in their nostrils, and Kilkenny were actually entering quite a successful period themselves at the time. They'd go on to win the following two All Irelands and another All Ireland by the end of the 70s, 79. Um, they had those players back, the likes of Eddie Kerr and stuff like that, too. I suppose <clears throat> the thing about that 73 team with Limerick was, and I'll that that Limerick team was coming since about 1965 66. Um, so it was kind of a mixture of a mature bunch that had been around for some time, um, plus some some new uh, fresh blood, the likes of Liam McDonough, who was only 19 in 73, for example, and Joe McKenna, who was only coming on the scene as well. So I think that there were certain players in that team were probably coming off a peak, I would imagine. And funny enough, like you talk to people from that generation, they'll say the Limerick team of 66 and 71, who narrowly missed out on, on Munster glory, certainly, if not more, Probably had better teams, um, and it's just that in '73 things came together at the right time. You had the fresh blood like O'Donoghue and McKenna, like I said, plus the older guys from the from the like the Phil Bennises of this world. Um, Richie, of course, was in top form at the time as well. So possibly there was a, maybe some guys were maybe coming off a peak coming into '74. And look, it's a totally different thing when you've won a won a final for the first time in 33 years. Um, to retain a title, and we're, we, this is exactly what we're talking about in the modern context, and I suppose you're right to say it too, Jack. That's something that this group that we're currently watching now, that's their big challenge now, is to find that hunger, find that place where you, where you're digging deep again, and you're up on your perch to be knocked down this time, rather than coming in as underdogs uh, under the radar somewhat. Yeah. Kilkenny, Kilkenny did win in 72, in 74 and 75. They lost the final in 71, and that was a very, very strong Kilkenny team. Kilkenny people, a lot of other people will say that 73 does a slight asterisk against it in the sense that Kilkenny were missing three, if not four, of their best players. And we had won, in, in inverted commas, a very lucky monster final, but then we had been very unlucky in 71 and incredibly unlucky in 66, where we played Cork, who eventually won the All-Ireland in 66, and we had two goals disallowed in a game that we lost by two points. And people would say that the 66 team was every bit as good as the 71-73-4 team. The other reason why we probably didn't repeat in 74 was maybe the, the winning team weren't in as good a condition in 74 as they were in 73, that there, there was obviously a lot of celebration had gone on in Limerick. That um, that was, a, I'd say, a particularly difficult winter for a lot of the players. Uh, without There was a lot of celebrating done. That I'll leave it as simply yeah. as that. Yeah. yeah, I'd say we probably saw a similar scene in 2018, maybe, and that could be 
that caused 2019, but they've rectified it in the meantime, the current yeah. squad. Also, in, in, in 74, in, in, sorry, in 74, Limerick won probably what was a facet enough Munster final uh, against Clare. Um, it was a huge score, the 6-14 to... 3-9, yeah. 3-9, that was it, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas the year before, they'd won an epic game in Thurles by a point against their rivals, Tipperary. Um, so I think in terms of momentum as well, probably a big factor with these things, you know. Um, and, I mean, Kilkenny are probably primed coming off a Leinster final win over Wexford, who are always, particularly those days, the likes of Tony Dorn and McButler, things like that, and that team, were always tough games, Leinster finals. So there's a number of factors, I suppose, you know. And yeah. not forgetting, guys, if anybody wants any of the history of that era, they can go back and they can read Henry Martin's outstanding uh, book on Un Unlimited Heartbreak from yeah. 2009, and that will give you a literally a blow-by-blow -blow account of the genesis of, the, of that team from the 60s right through to the 70s and onwards right into the 90s. Obviously, yeah, it's not a heartbreak anymore, thankfully. But Yeah, that un Unlimited Heartbreak book is one that I only actually got around to reading after 2018 because it was too painful to read before that. But um, I suppose we're kind of... Moving on from 74, it was a six-year wait, and it, it's it's not really barren, like, considering we went 33 years from 40 to 73 just to wait six more years. But it was a different kind of final. We were playing Galway. They were in their first final in 57 years. And Limerick had a lot of previous with Kilkenny in finals. It was the first final for Limerick in 50 years that didn't feature Kilkenny. So it goes the way of Galway. But what was your outstanding memories from, from that game, we'll say, Liam, the, the 1980 final with Galway? Well, the 1980 final, I was actually five, so I watched it on television, and I remember being told, oh, your brothers are at the match. My, my brothers are up there in Crow Park. But, you, you, I mean, 1980, we won a, a very impressive Munster final against Cork, um, who were going for six in a row in Munster, I think. Um, had a huge gap to the All-Ireland final. Um, it was an unusual year, too, I think, because um, Offaly won Leinster for the first time. And so you had Offaly, Galway, and Limerick, in the All-Ireland series, which was kind of unprecedented. So you had no kind of big three in the All-Ireland series. Limerick probably went into the game as favourites, especially having beaten Cork. The Cork side that had more or less won three in a row in the not-so-distant pass before that. Um, again, Limerick had renewed and refreshed. He had the likes of Ali O'Connor coming to scene, David Punch. Um, Leonard Emmett was full back, um, who was always classed there um, for the years. Great servant to Limerick Hurling. And the great Tommy Quaid was in goals as well. Eamon Cregan was corner forward. Um, had a fantastic game that day. I think he scored 2-7, James. Is it 2-7? Yeah. 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 Which I think is a record for a losing team, is it? Or is it? I, I guess professionally, I don't know. Yeah, okay. But um, I think what, what killed Limerick that day possibly was the bad start. Galway got a couple of goals. Um, uh, PJ Malloy and Bernie Ford. Yeah. And you're, you're playing catch-up then for the rest of the game. Uh, Cyril Farrell had a kind of a plan to double mark Joe McKenna, who was in his pomp at the time as well. Uh, Cregan did a load of damage, but I suppose when you're chasing the game, all Gallo had to do was every time Limerick surged ahead, was tack on a couple of points. Uh, I recall him and Cregan saying many years later that Limerick had brought it back to, to three points at some stage in the second half. And he, he attempted to hand pass the ball to Joe McKenna, and as he was reaching, he was challenged and kind of came off his fingers, it didn't come off. and he kind of still haunts him that that moment, had he got it into McKenna, he, like, he would have buried it. It was a draw game, and who was to say what would have happened then? But as I say, Galway, Galway had got the laurels at the end of the day, you know, and um, Limerick were, were left um, as runners-up again, you know, uh, and 81 got to the semi-final and lost in a replay as well. And that was kind of the end of that generation for Limerick. A lot of the 73 team then retired coming into the 80s as well. Um I suppose Liam O'Donoghue was probably the last to play, James. Is he Liam? And, yes, absolutely. And he was the last thing. He played right up to 88. Yeah. And Leonard, I suppose, wasn't too far off that. Oh, he wasn't in 73, actually. But, no. Um, so, yeah, 1980 final was a big disappointment because I suppose there was such an expectation there as well. My, my, I'm slightly older than Liam. I was, at, I was lucky enough to be at the game. I was My very first game supporting Limerick was in the 1980 Munster final. So I got to the final through a circuitous enough route and I was in the I was in the lower Cusick stand and I have a few box camera photographs from the game. I remember distinctly a flare being thrown onto the pitch from uh, Hill 16 onto the front of the old Cusick stand 
I remember um, Iggy, Iggy Clark, who was um, a priest at the time, and he was playing with Colley and was injured in the semi-final against Offaly, I believe, and he couldn't play in the final. We were hot favourites, but what we were done undone by totally was uh, we conceded two goals and a point in the first five minutes of the game, and we were always chasing it after that. Galway had been in the final in 75 and 79, had been beaten by Kilkenny on both occasions, and it was their third final in a row. They were, as you as you say, Jack, they had won only one alarm before that in 1923. So they had been waiting 57 years. So the famous um, scenes afterwards on the um, the in the Hogan stand of Joe McDonough, the late Joe McDonough, ex-president, singing The West's Awake, uh, will still bring a tear to very, very many people's eyes. And to what I believe was the single greatest ever speech given by a winning captain was... Um, Joe Connolly's that afternoon in the in the Hogan stand. Now I have to say that as of today, the 19th of August, I'm I, I'm living in Galway for 30 years. And I hope I haven't picked up a Galway accident in that time. But that I will live and I will die as much a Limerick man as I did when I moved to the place first 30 years ago, as and everybody in Galway, and I would be pretty well known within um Camogie and Hurling Circles, that most people now know that I'm from there. I had kept my powder pretty dry until after 18. But um, I would know, I would have met Bernie Ford. I would know PJ Malloy personally. Uh, no Lane. I'd know uh, John Connolly. I would have met um, Joe over the years. But that you, you couldn't begrudge Galway their sort of their first success in the modern era, albeit it was at the expense of Limerick, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, it was at the expense of Limerick. But I suppose there's probably some similarities between Limerick's success. In 2018 against Galway and Galway's in 1980 against Limerick, just long famines ended for real hurling and counties. But yeah. you mentioned there in 80, probably the end of an era for a lot of those players. And coming into 94, Limerick's next All Ireland final 14 years later is a longer stretch, but it's a completely new team. And probably players that today's generation, like their first heroes, will say the likes of Kieran Carey and Gary Kirby and Tommy or Quaid and goals and things like there was real hope for this 94 team after winning a brilliant Munster final coming against Offaly and I suppose the less said about the last five minutes of that final the better really for all Limerick people Absolutely. Yeah so um, yeah so I mean after after that 80-81 era we won back-to-back Munsters but no other the title success uh, won two national leagues 84 and 85 Won an All-Ireland minor title in 84 and uh, followed up with an All-Ireland minor in, uh, sorry, under-21 in 87. And we, the year before, won a Munster under-21 in 86. So with a lot of that team, um, Jerry Hegarty, Gary Kirby, Pat Carey, um, plus a couple of good underage teams that were unlucky to lose Munster finals um, at the end of the end of the 90s, or sorry, the end of the 80s as well. So you'd like to Kieran Carey, David Clark, people like that coming through as well. Real quality players, you know. Um, Limerick were probably unfortunate, I think, in the late 80s, early 90s, that Tipperary probably had their best team probably for 25 years with Nicky English, Pat Fox. They ended up meeting for four years in a row. And Limerick, in those days, of course, you lose the first round, they're gone. And Limerick lost four years in a row to Tipperary um, between um, 88 and 91 inclusive. And the National League final in 92, Limerick were 9, 10 points down at half time, came back and won the game. And psychologically, that was a huge um, victory for, for that particular group of players. Um, and then uh, Phil Bennett was manager. Then, 93, you had a bit of a disaster in Ennis against Clare. Uh, we lost uh, Munster semi final against, against Clare and Ennis. Then, in 94, Tom Ryan takes over. And the to Tom Ryan, you brought Dave Mahidi on board. And I think that was a big um, factor in terms of the amount of training sessions, the amount of work that group did. So they had the talent, they had the, the underage success in the 80s. Uh, and in fairness to Tom Ryan, he, he, he managed a pretty good ship in those years, you know. Um, and like to, we were winning our first Munster title for 13 years, you know, which is quite, quite a gap for, for Limerick. Like, you know, we, we expected more than that, you know. Um, Joe Quaid when his uh, debut in 94 against Cork in an off-a-wet day. Um, could see the four goals, could do nothing about it, but save bullets at the same time. Very exciting game. 
in, in an awful, awful, awful conditions. Our first victory over Cork in 14 years. When you think of the Limit Cork rivalry as well. Um, got over Watford in the, in the semi and beat Clare in, in the Munster final relatively comfortably um, as well. Um, Gary Kirby and, and, and Mike Galligan put on the pretty much A performances that day as well uh, to put Clare, put Clare away. Semi-final against Antrim was pretty one-sided. And, of course, the Offaly match, we know well what happened there. And I suppose when you think of, of the 90s and where that team went afterwards, and Mark Foley alluded to this recently. Mark Foley was probably in the panel in 94, I would imagine. And he said that the, the team probably, I suppose sports psychology and all that kind of stuff wasn't really a thing in those days. Uh, maybe Liam Griffin accidentally stumbled upon it in 96 with Wexford, but... Um, Mark Foley said that the, that team never actually dealt with that um, five-minute finding against Offaly. They never actually sat down and, and parked it. And he felt in 96 when they went out to the field against Wexford that Limerick were trying to win two Irelands. And there was this pressure on them um, to atone for the, the, pre, the two years, you know. But rather than park it and actually treat it as a game in its own, there was that extra pressure on them. And it showed, I think, at their performance. Uh, in 96 against Wexford. Um, awfully, in fairness, were a class out with the great hurlers. There were a lot of Mavericks in that team, but they could hurl. Wexford, personally, I would I would say, of the two finals in the 90s, 1946, the Wexford one's probably the one that got away in the sense that, personnel-wise, you would say, man for man, we, we probably had the better team. You know? But, as I say, uh, Liam Griffin had brought in a psychologist. Wexford hadn't been going so good. And they stumbled upon this thing that we hadn't, you know. And I think the weight of '94, men psychologically, had a huge bearing in that '96 final, um, collectively. And, and in fairness, even in the crowd, I remember towards the end of the game, that the, a sense kind of befell the Limerick crowd, the Canal end in '96. And like we'd come back from ten points down in the Munster final, came back against the All Ireland champions to get a grounds. It was a hot day, and it's almost like the crowd thought we weren't going to win it either that's the feeling i got yeah, yeah and i'll just come to you just to put in there james just to, with the the 94 and 96 final i know yeah. every all ireland final has to be taken on its individual merit but do you kind of have to group those two all ireland finals with the context that liam has given there that, that the hang up from that five minute final brought carried all the way through to 96 i want to separate out the two finals very much liam has kind of put them together into one um we had gotten to league final in 92. We had gotten to a monster final in 92 when we were hockeyed by Cork down in Cork on a, on a roasting hot day when Mr. Mulcahy basically uh, played ducks and drakes with us where he basically juggled the ball from one hand to the other in the, behind the, the referee's back. Um, 93 was a disaster in Ennis, uh, which has been a graveyard to our hopes on a number of different occasions in the past. And 94 sort of came out of nowhere. Uh, Tom Ryan had come on board. Again, this is spoken about in, in, in excruciatingly interesting detail in Henry's book, but he brought Dave Mahidi. But what he also brought in was that he brought an incredible work ethic. I, I remember Tom Ryan being interviewed on the radio or someone seeing it after the Munster final or after the semi-final against Antrim that between Christmas and, let's say, the middle of the early July when they played the Munster final, that he, they had trained 107 times. I remember that distinctly, and I just fell off the chair and said, wow, these guys have trained 107 times in pretty much 154, 55 days. So they were pretty much trained in two out of every three days between Christmas and June, which to me was just, it, it was one, you know, they talk about Loch Nan in Clare bringing this incredible work ethic, you know, this training, but Tom Ryan had done it the year before at a minimum. And really, uh, when, a, when a gentleman, was a Dennis Walsh, wrote the, the book The Revolution Years on Hurling's Revolution in the 1990s, he speaks about Clare, he speaks about Wexford, he even speaks about Waterford, who won nothing. But there wasn't even a single chapter about Limerick, which I took extreme grave exception to, that Limerick were pretty much written out of the 90s because we had lost the two All-Irelands. I, I remember the 94 final in particular because it was a very warm day and I happened to be sitting beside James E. O'Connor, who at the time was a little known Clare hurler. And, you know, things were going well enough for us. We were five points up with five or seven minutes to go. Now we had pucked 17 or 18 wides away at that stage. And if anybody looks at that final in its entirety, they will now see that 
the evolution of hurling is not just an evolution, it's a revolution. And what's happened to hurling in the last 25, now 27 years, is nothing short of just, it was a it was an amateur game, as rugby was back then, to what is now a professional game. That the quality of the game, both the 94, 95 and 96, all three of those finals were a very, very poor quality, very, very poor quality to games. It was just when Kilkenny, yeah, again, the top three will say that the Kilkenny, Tipperary and Cork were at a low ebb and that had allowed sort of the, the second tier counties through the likes of Offaly, Limerick, Wexford, Clare to come through, albeit Clare did win in All-Ireland in 97 against the you know the top tier teams. But 94, five points up with five minutes to go and this innocuous free, this 20 metre free where the dually chap was it that took it and he didn't know how to go for a goal or a point and he kind of poked it in and somehow the ball just landed in the, in the back of the net. And, you know, I mean, we, we kind of shuddered, but the ball got pucked out. Joe Quaid was excoriated afterwards that he pucked it out too quick, but he pucked it out and he pucked it out to um, Ger Hickety. And for so many inexplicable reasons, Ger coughed the ball up in, in midfield into Pilkington's hand and Pilkington then basically put it back down to the, into the full back line behind uh, Joe O'Connor, who had who'd gone out a little bit and bounced in front of his namesake, Michael O'Connor. And the second goal went in, and then suddenly it's just like the house collapsed. In they got points from everywhere. I mean, it was it was just absolutely a, a complete and utter disaster what had happened after that. I mean, we had no chance to recover. Five minutes to go, we lost. We from being five points up, we lost the game by six, three sixteen to two thirteen. Having been two thirteen to one one eleven up at one stage, it was just a catastrophe. And I, you know, until 2018, it took me four years to watch the game afterwards on, on video. It took me two years to watch 96. There's also that discussion as which was the worst defeat, 94, 96. Some people will say 94. Some people will say 96. My view on it, and I know whether Liam or you will agree with me, uh, Jack, is that 94, we had 94 pretty much won. 96, we never we were never in position. We were never in a winning position there. Yes, we expected to go in and win it, but we'd never gotten a position of winning it. But a lot of people would find that 96 was the harder one to take because at least we had recovered from 94. But we never really got going other than for the start in 96, where we had this sensational monster championship campaign where we beat Cork by the first time they'd lost in the Parky Kiev or the Cork Athletic Ground since the 20s. And by a, by a very, very large, was a 318 to 1-6, we beat Clare in that absolutely sensational game in uh, uh, the Gaelic grounds by that point, by that Kieran Carey point, and then the Munster final, ten points down at half time, and to come back and draw and then win it with four goals, three of which were kicked in in Cork. And again, the the, the two the, the things that are common with ninety four ninety six that we played a semi final against a pretty poor Antrim team, which we in, on both occasions we did not play well in either of those two games. So the warning signs were there that we had a, had a fantastic Munster Championship campaign, but didn't hadn't followed through with a semi-final. So the two final defeats of Offaly and, and Wexer, even though it was a very, very good Limerick team, we just never performed in, in finals. And there were certain players, certain high class or certain top players for Limerick on both those days who just did not perform either of those two days, which led to our, our, our ultimate defeat in both. Yeah, and you mentioned those players, and I suppose at the time we probably thought that that those players like the likes of Carey and Kirby and Quaid and Hegarty, they would get their All Ireland medal, but that wasn't to be the case. And we were waiting eleven years then for two thousand and seven, and I suppose two thousand and seven was kind of out of the blue, lads. And I suppose that was my first year. That was my first All Ireland final. I was only eleven at the time. I was actually christened the night before the ninety six final, and my brother missed my own christening, so my mother always says that one. But two thousand and seven, and I suppose. Um, the Munster final really like the year 2007 starts with Tipperary in the trilogy so Liam you might want to talk us through 2007 it was just an incredible yeah, year yeah 2007 I mean <clears throat> we'd won three under 21 titles in a row at the start of the decade um, and between one thing and another uh, we'd ended up um, Limic having something like four managers in five years or four managers in six years and I suppose we failed as a county to reap the rewards at senior level uh, of that underage success and, and, and bring it to fruition, you know, bring those lads on. Um, so in 2006, uh, Joe McKenna took over the helm. Um, 
we had a decent league campaign, got to league final against Kenny, recent performance. Then the wheels kind of came off. We lost Tipperary over in Thorless. Uh, and then the qualifier game in Ennis again, we, we got beaten fairly comprehensively. So McKenna finished up and Richie Venice took over the helm. And Richie Venice, like, is one of these people, um, a really special person, I think. Um, not only was he a, a, a fantastic player, but he's just this aura about him of positivity um, and a great personality. I know that kind of term is used, overused sometimes. But with Richie Bennis, um, it seems to radiate from, from him. And he, he kind of gives, you know, he's able to talk and communicate to people. And when he took over, he brought Gary Kirby with him as his coach. And I think that was, that was a great relationship, obviously, because they're uncle and nephew as well. So coming to 2007, Limerick had um, a, a reasonable league campaign. I mean, I know they ended up playing a relegation match against uh, Leash and Offaly, whatever way the league was those days, to keep changing the league. Uh, but we significantly beat Tipperary and Nina in the, in, in the second league game of the year, which was like our first time beating Tipperary for maybe five or six years in the league. So we come into the Muster Championship against Tipperary, uh, who were being managed by Babs Keating, uh, who was Richie Bennett's old adversary. And he ended up with this, it almost ended up being like a championship of its own. Um, people often refer to the Mead, um, uh, Dublin, uh, the four games back in 1991. But this wasn't far off it in terms of intensity, in terms of moments, in terms of occasion. Um, Pat Tobin got a fantastic goal to level the first day after we lost the man. Uh, I think it was Damien Ray got the line, James, was it? In yes. 2007? Yeah. Yes. Um, and then probably the best of the three games, arguably, was the, the second game in Thorless when we came back from maybe 10 points down with something like 18 minutes in the clock. And Ollie Moran had like Ollie Moran in 2007. Had we won the All Ireland, was holder of the year for me. I think he had a fantastic year um, that year. Um, and of course, I'd do shot to see as well. Seamus Hickey won Hor Young Holder of the Year. That game in Torres was really memorable. Went to extra time, and we ended up leveling with a shot to see free. The third game in, in, in the Gaelic Grounds went to extra time as well. But I think overall, we were the better side. We kind of got the measure to Prairie at that stage, psychologically as well. And I mean, you watch the footage of the game, it's a monster semi final, and you pitch invasions, you know. Um, and that's how hungry Limerick people were uh, in those times, you know. So, um, well, Richie Bennis really brought us back to Limerick hurling. And even though we didn't win anything in 2007, lost the monster final to a really good Waterford side, and lost an All Ireland final to arguably one of the best ever sides to play hurling, Kilkenny. Um, that 2007 final, like you said, Jack was so vital for a certain generation of, 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 of Limerick people of your age, because if you were too young to remember the 90s, um, that was a huge beacon of light in, in terms of hope and keeping the thing going, I think, in terms of a, of a, of a culture of hurling within the county. Yeah, and James, just on that, that semi-final, I suppose, we had, we had lost to, to Waterford already, and I suppose came in as huge underdogs, and Liam, you mentioned the Richie Bennett factor, but... I think that gave so much hope to the Limerick fans. Like it was, it was a pure Limerick performance. Like the, like no one gave us any hope, and from the very first whistle, you couldn't see anything but Limerick win. Really, I would say two other things before we go into that is the only time I've ever been assaulted at a match was in the re in the replay in uh, Thurles. I was up up at the back of the old stand, and obviously I, I'm a very calm man during the matches, and I never and Liam can attest to that. But for some reason. This temporary man in front of me took grave exception to what something I said at one stage, and he just turned around and just tried to rabbit punch me. Now I was surrounded by, I was I was in there with one other person who I knew, and everybody else around us were basically friends or family of this guy, right? So before the game finished. He had gone away. He had to go home and make the calls, obviously, because he thought that Tipperary were going to lose. Tipperary got a draw, and for some reason he came back in. He slumped back in, and I basically had to keep my control to say that I would say nothing, and I'd said nothing to him. And he was gone again before the final whistle because obviously those calls had to be melted again or he thought that Tipper were going to lose. But the other thing is we are a kind of half-generation, generational-type county and, and, never, and you have to understand that as a Limerick person or a Limerick supporter. 40 to, to 70 to 55 is a generation in my mind. 55 to 71, 73, 74 is another 15 years. 71 or 74 to 80 is kind of a half-generation. And then... 81 to 94 is a sort of 13 15 year generation 
01 was almost a half generation where we had a great chance in a monster final against Tip, and then we we got a soccer punch by Wexford in a semi final, and then 07. So 96 to 07 is sort of a four, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 year generation. So we're at a once in a half generation, a once in a generation type county where we can come with a burst in that. And for some reason, 07 was sort of that burst where we sort of came out of nowhere in the sense that we got over Watford, got, got over Tip in, the, in that trilogy of games, beaten pretty beaten in the end by Watford in the semi in the monster final but we were in that game for for long periods of time and we I think they got two late goals against us where they sort of they pushed on I wouldn't say that we were without hope in the semi-final I think that Watford team was already on the way down in 07 but that Watford team had made that made the breakthrough in 02 and should have really won an all-earned either 02 or 03 or 04 05 or 06 and the longer they went, the less likely they were to make it. Because I mean, if Limerick were a brittle team, Watford were all over the place. I mean, and look at look at the players they had in the noughties. And all they won, I would still suggest that they severely underperformed. They got to one other and final the year after, and we all know what happened. They were absolutely annihilated by Watford by by Kilkenny. I believe that we just got the goals that day at the at the crucial times. Watford were brittle. Watford thought they only had to turn up because they beat us in the monster final. And we got the goals. I mean, some. I mean, uh, Begley. Uh, I mean, we can roll. But it was especially noticeable that Ollie Moore was just absolutely sensational that year. I mean, he literally hurled Limerick into that All Ireland final for whatever reason. He would have been a very good, a very good county hurler before that. But that one year, a bit like I would, I would also see Graham Mulcahy in two thousand eighteen. In slightly the same vein as Ollie in 2007, where he literally almost, I won't say single handedly, but he had this outstanding year over and above what he had done before or since, and that he almost single handedly got us to that final. And unfortunately, in that final, um, Kilkenny were ready for us. And they they exposed all our weak points, which was really Seamus Hickey in, in cornerback. And Kilkenny had beaten us in the first 10 minutes of that game. And the other two memories I have of 07 was, you know, those streamers coming down from uh, on top of the stands and that I wish that day that I would be in Crow Park where those streamers would come down for a Limerick victory. And the fact that the Kilkenny people who had, who you know, the Kilkenny, the Kilkenny supporters that day had literally deserted the ground 10 minutes after the presentation. And that was it. It was just another, another All-Ireland victory for Kilkenny, one of, you know, 29, 30, whatever, 31, 32, 33 at that stage. And that was just, you know, just another day at the office. And we were left as consulate for another year or for another generation. I, I did not see us coming back for at least another five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years after 07, because that's just the way it is. We have that burst and then we lose, we lose the momentum and then we're back in the pack again. And then we have to build again from almost from scratch. Yeah, it's I think it, as well. Um, sorry, Jack. James, with, with Ollie Moran, um, it's worth noting for most of, the, of his career, Limerick used to play him at wing back. But for the two years Limerick played him at centre forward, were 01 and 07, which were our two best years in the Nazis. Um But he, even in the All Ireland final, when Kilkenny got sensational start with those two goals, um, I think he single handedly brought us back into that game. He was fantastic that day too. Of course, it gets overlooked because we lost. Um, but as you rightly say, Kilkenny, um, Seamus Hickey, who won Young Hurler of the Year that year, and Mike Fitz from Dune as well. Kilkenny, look, they targeted the younger lads in the team, the less experienced lads, you know, and um, I suppose we were fighting a losing battle from from, from about the, fifth, the 11 to 12 minute onwards. But at first, we were nine points down after 12 minutes, and at 70 minutes, we were only five points down, lost by seven. So it was nothing, people often compare it with the Waterford final the following year. At least Limerick battled very bravely for the next hour after that that, that Kilkenny start. But we never looked like winning that game. No, no, we didn't. You no. know, I mean, to be we fair, Kilkenny won't bury you. They'll just yeah. basically hit you over the head enough times that you stay unconscious for the entire 70 minutes. They yeah, won't yeah. bury you. What they did in 08 was just a different class. Is I mean, it was just one of those days where everything that Kilkenny touched. I think Kilkenny didn't had three wives. Did they get three thirty? And they had three yeah. wives in the entire game. It was just one of those days that just everything they did. And Waterford completely capitulated too. Yeah, Waterford's heads weren't right at all that day. Yeah, but, but you can claim the Waterford's heads weren't right in 07 either. I mean, 
But again, I'm not saying anything. I'm, we'll keep that for another day. For the people that didn't see those Greg Kenny sides, and that was probably the first side that I ever really saw. Like they were just different gravy altogether. Like in that 07 final, I think they just got ahead and just kept them. Like they just they were always that four or five points ahead of Limerick, and there was an 11 year gap from 96 to 2007, and there was an 11 years then again to 2018. But even in the context of the noughties, and we'll, we mentioned all one, and we got the Munster final, but we didn't have a win from 02 to 07, and then we were. 08 to 13 to get a win so like even to get to the honor final in 2018 was came pretty much not out of the blue completely because we had the 2015 under 21 win inside in 2017 under 21 win inside but john kiley's side at the start of 2018 wouldn't have been seen as all ireland contenders would they leave no that's true that's very true um and i suppose the outside of people within limerick um it's it's funny i suppose how obsessed now the national media is with us and where did this team come from and stuff like that um as i said those 321 teams that started in the 90s um we never we never brought to fruition they were never managed properly you know as an organization as i said there's no one person to blame for these things it's just a number of reasons like it's only now looking back we realize that you do need a, a proper management setup you do need uh, so many supports and things for players to be able to compete top level. And I suppose out of the ashes of the 09 semi-final against Tipperary, um, famously John Kiley himself, um, among a lot of other, I would say, similar ex-players and stuff like that, um, all put their shoulders to the wheel with the academies. And it takes a long time to do that. It takes a long time for it to come through. Um, and along with that, you had two other things that were significant. Art School Reach, who would have been traditionally a rugby school, um, started winning hearty cups, started becoming a magnet for hurlers around the county and started becoming a nursery, um, where traditionally, of course, it would have been CBS Sexton Street. Um, and add to that factor again, Napiersig, um, who are also, for a long time, knocking on the door, a relatively new club, always the bridesmaids. Uh, I mean, I remember, I remember getting, them getting to semi-finals against the Han and Patrick Swell, and, and drawing and they lose the replay and stuff like that losing finals fairly well but when they started winning by golly like you I mean look at their record the last 10 years so there's a number of factors that play into 2018 um uh, and a lot of people again people are looking for one or two simple answers into how this happened but there's an awful lot of factors into what happened in 2018 but yes, yes, in terms of where Limerick was, and it is our record in Munster was pretty poor coming to that year um, as well. We credit the performance in 17, though we lost to Clare and Torless, um, and lost by a puck of a ball with three or four points uh, to Kilkenny Park. Um, but those underage titles in, in 15 and 17 were a, a great boost to the county. Um, but the narrative coming into 2018 was that it, this is Galway's era. Limerick will be there in a few years' time. So that's kind of the narrative. So I suppose we kind of, to a degree, went in under the radar in that championship. Um, had a very good win against Tipperary. Um, don't stop, 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 Liam. Don't say a word. We won't talk about 2018 until I give you further context. What Jack forgets and what you forget is okay. The the 2000 2002 under 21 team. They were very good teams. They won three championships. Yes, that's true. But they beat Cork in each of those three championships. We drew with Cork in 2000. We, we hockeyed them in a replay. We beat Cork in 2001 by a point. We beat Cork in 2002 by a point. We drew with Tip in 2002 and won the replay. They were good teams, but I don't think they were made up of, of particularly outstanding individuals. Almost every one of those three teams, especially the, the players who played in all three teams, all got substantial game time for their county senior afterwards. I'm not sure that they were good enough. Now, people will say, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. But as, as Galway are proven, they've won five of the last six minors, and they haven't been able to put an under-22, not even one under-22 yet. So there is, it's not quite the, the, the straight line, you know, guarantee of oh, success. No, the I other thing is you forget as as does Jack, not forget, but you omit the breakthrough or the semi-breakthrough of 13 and 14 where we won a Munster Championship in 13 and we took Kilkenny to two points in that absolute monsoon in 14 in that semi-final. And 
the remnants of that team were there in 18, plus the two minor teams of 13 and 14, where the Hawkeye in 13, and we won a beat, beat Watford in that draw replay of that minor final to win our first minor since 84. So we hadn't won a minor, even a Munster minor title since 84 until 2013. And then 14, losing the minor final, a brutal final against Kilkenny, where this guy called Blanchfield did pretty much the damage all by himself with what was supposedly a pretty much unbeatable Limerick minor team. So those minors slash under-21s already had, had been in Croke Park and had tasted defeat. And sometimes the bitter taste of defeat will sometimes give you that appetite for later on. So it's, it's not quite true to say, yes, you can talk about academies, you can talk about something called lifting the treaty before that and all the work that went in. So it's a multifactorial, yes, uh, the... Arts called Reach, the Miners, the under 21s, the fantastic successes of 15 against Wexford, 17 against Kilkenny. Um, we ran Kilkenny down in Nolan Park in 17 to three points in a game that would not have taken much more than maybe a 1% tightening up of effort. Uh, Kylie has spoken about how he was trying to implement his game plan, the Canark kind of game plan, the running game, and that you could see flashes of it down in Kilkenny it just wasn't ready it wasn't real time but that Kilkenny team were there to be beaten that night if we had just been a tiny little bit tighter so it's not quite true to say that 18 came out of nowhere yes there was a severe fall off after 14 where we played 15 16 16 15 and 16 we played two qualifiers I was at both of them in in uh, Mullingarg and Swethmead and we only just literally got out by the skin of our teeth both those times but there was an uptick in 17 when Kylie came on board and that you could see that there was something happening. And we were 14 to 1 to win the All-Ireland in 18 because I, I looked at the odds and someone said to me afterwards that they that they were. But that I'll let you go with the league campaign in 18 and, and what happened and subsequent events. Liam. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, in, in a, the thing about the, the, the decade leading to 2018, was that in after we were relegated in 2010, uh, Limerick subsequently won Division Two 2011 in NS, a, a very entertaining game in, in NS, a, a fine Saturday evening from my recall. And um, the GA changed the league around, so effectively we were in 1B, which effectively was kind of Division Two light. So we we ended up in a situation for the next six or seven years of habitually missing out on promotion um, uh, there was a couple of times we drew and lost to Offaly for example um, there were other games uh, where another significant county would come in like Cork Walford, uh, stuff like that and uh, it was pretty frustrating because I suppose you're trying to get traction you're trying to get new guys into the senior ranks and get them blooded and you want them to be playing the best teams and National Hurling League is always a great play to be trying new things and significantly in 18, um, there was games in 18 in, in, in Tullamore against Offaly and against Dublin and the Gaelic Grounds, where, or was it in Parallel Park, where we traditionally had kind of struggled against those two particular teams in the league. And maybe, again, in, in the case of, of, of Offaly, they'd beaten and drawn with us. Um, and, and Dublin had beaten us in a league final in 13, Division 2 league final. Um, we hot, we we beat them quite so, by a by a big margin, and that was well, a in Offaly. Yes, I, I was at the Offaly game, yeah. and that was a game. Kylie does speak about where he felt that the system, as the, the system we now know so well, yeah, had really worked. We played Ducks and Drakes in Offaly that day, and eventually we yes. picked up a gear. Yeah, and um, then the Galway game, and then the Galway game that famous that famous day in 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 Salt Hill. And we're we're ten points down, um, and you're, you're kind of wondering, I suppose, you know, here we go again, kind of thing, because we we've had these situations so many times in the league where we've been promised, you know, that we're going to get promoted, and next thing, Galan, we get a penalty. Galan buries it. I think he won it himself, James, didn't he, Galan? I don't. All I remember is the Kyle Hayes goal where he 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 missed it and Scale went the wrong direction. Yeah, um, and it was a yeah, ball kind of. It kind of took a, a funny. He hit it into the ground. It took a funny spin. The goalie went one way, and the ball went into the net. Um, yes. But Limerick ended up winning that game, 
and, and look, apart from the bit of luck, they showed quite a lot of character and steel that day against the All Ireland champions. Now, a significant in 2017, we played Galway twice in the league in, in the Gaelic grounds. And I remember in both games, one of them was an actual league game and one of them was a, a knockout game, a quarter final. Galway basically bullied us off the field. Um, those both those days because they were physically, they were, and as it turned out, they would end up winning the Ireland Championship that year. Um, in 2018, Limerick had the winter training they did that year, but and they had this famous boxing tournament. They'd really been able to hammer the hammer against Galway and went toe to toe with them. And to win a tight game like that, to come back, it showed an awful lot of character. Um, and that was a huge game. Of course, at the time, we're not realizing how significant it was in terms of what was going to happen in August. I mean, you had a good league campaign after that, too. A famous game against Clare um, in, in the quarterfinal, the Gaelic Grounds that went to extra, extra time. Yes. Colin Ryan slotted over the, the win in 65. And a, and a very credible extra time um, defeat, narrow defeat to Prairie and Carlos. So we're coming into the 18 championship. Um, with improvements, but at the same time, unproven in the bigger scheme of things, you know? Yeah, and then that, that championship obviously starts with the win over Tipperary, and the six-point win is the biggest win over Tipperary in a long, long time, but I think it's that probably that game against Cork in Parky Cueve, where even down to 14, we managed to come away with a draw, is probably where belief really kicked in from probably outside the camp, because I'd imagine John Kiley and Connor have that camp with belief, but outside the county, you're thinking this is a Limerick side that could go a long way into the championship. Kalan getting sent off and then Tom Marcy taking the freeze and Tom Marcy went eight for eight in the free that night and then they eventually got a poxy goal late on the game and we came back and we still got the draw, which was a very credible draw. The tip game the first day was this wet day in Limerick and Barry Murphy got the second goal and we kind of, it wasn't a great game, we kind of linked, limped over it and we were kind of saying, you know, is it any different? We've beaten tip, great, but I think the, the credible draw against Cork really sort of said, okay, we have a chance here. And then we we hockeyed Watford on that on that on in the, in mid June. And then we kind of said, okay, yeah. And, but then we went to Ennis and it kind of all fell apart. Tom Connor getting sent off and Claire beating us by eleven points. So we kind of avoided the monster final that year, which probably turned out to be for the best. So we'd won two games drawn one and lost one and not gotten to the Munster final. And the year after, we won two games and lose two games and we get to the Munster final. So it's amazing how these things work. And then we went travelling. We went travelling. We went down to Carlo on that really, 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 really um, the dry spell, the sort of drought. And the, the, the pitch down in Network Cullen Park was almost totally brown. And Limerick carried maybe 1,000, 1,500 supporters. I mean, the game, by the way, Liam, as you know, the game up in, uh, up in Galway earlier that year, I'd say we took what probably was our core support of maybe 450, 500 supporters, which is probably during the really bad days would have been our core away support. I mean, I remember Monaghan playing in the curtain raiser to that game against uh, Galway and Go and Monaghan carrying over 2,500 supporters into Galway for that league game. And we couldn't carry more than 500 up from, up from Limerick. So I'm just, I've approved nothing. But that game down in Carlos stood us in great stead because uh, Kyle Hayes got a goal after a minute. And it sharpened us up for that quarterfinal against Kilkenny. And that's when the show really started. We had Kilkenny beaten up and down a stick. We actually handed Owen Murphy a, an all-star that day with the, the, the saves that he made um, again by, you know, off Gillan etc and to concede that late goal and then we kind of looked at each other i remember liam and i and liam's nephew sitting together and we said oh no here we go again and that, that tom morrissey run up and up the wing where he eluded two or three or four or five or six uh, kilkenny defenders and he put that ball over the bar and that steadied the nerves and we won that game and then suddenly we were in the semi-final and the court game is just one of those games of the of the ages you know six points down i had given up that court game i felt the game was gone when we went 126 to 120 down after about 62 and a half minutes i had i had gone back i'd sat in my chair and said we're gone it was a great year but we're gone and then suddenly 
22 on, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, and then go ahead and then take it into extra time. And I will take Shane Dowling's penalty to my grave that the, mad, the bravery of that man when we were a point up in extra time and I would have said, take the point and that he was brave enough and wise enough to go for that goal. And then of course, Pat Ryan with the, the dink over the, the head and I saw stars and then we were in, we were in an Al-Iron final for the first time in 11 years against my adopted county. Yeah, it was just, it was a fair tale year and the, we've touched on all the finals in the lead up to 2018, but I suppose the 2018 final is one that we've become so accustomed with because it was the first one in 45 years that we won and I'm conscious that there's an hour on the clock here for anyone that's managed to say this long, but not to gloss over 2018, but 2018, 2020 and 21 can probably can all be kind of, and I know you didn't like the group 94, 96, but it's the John Kylie era kind of an it's a different era for Limerick. It's closer to the thirties. Like this team is incredible. And like the 20 final, like the 18 final was so iconic because it was 45 years in the, in the waiting, the 2020 final will never be forgotten with the year we have a COVID playing in December behind closed doors. And 2021 is just kind of coming out of that. So like the Limerick's recent issue with all Ireland has really been iconic. Hasn't it Liam? Yes, it has. As I said, um, in terms of, uh, and we just fleshed it out there. I mean, all Ireland's for Limerick over the years have been few and far between. You know, um, th that golden era in the 30s is what sets us apart from the rest. You have the, t the, the big three, is the so-called Tipperary, Kilkenny, Cork. But that golden era in the 30s is what kept us at number four. And despite only winning that one in 73 between 1940 and 2018, we stayed at number four. Nobody actually caught us. You know, um, we're going for number 10, please God, on, on Sunday. Uh, and all going well, we will. Um, but no, these days to be savoured and enjoyed, definitely. Um, these are special special days with a special team, a special management set up. And they know it themselves. And they're, in fairness to them, they're reaping the rewards. They've learnt, learnt a lot of lessons on the way, as James alluded to there. The Miners, for example, lost Heartbreak and Final 14. Article Reach lost a couple of Crow Cup finals as well. Um, the 19 semi-final defeat to the seniors. So this, these lads have shown character because every time they've been defeated, they've come back and won. The minors of, 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 of 14, a lot of them won at under 21 in 15 and 17. The minors of 16 lost an All-Ireland final as well. A lot of them came back and won at under 21 and 17. So there's always been a great reaction to adversity. And I suppose spectacularly in the Munster final this year, uh, it happened in the space of 11, 11 or 12 minutes, you know. So that's great character. And, and we're talking about that Galway League game in 18. I think that's probably the first time that we went up against a top-tier team and actually bossed the game uh, from a, a, a pretty perilous situation early on. And I think that you probably could nearly start in terms of the story of Limerick hurling. That's where it starts, I think, really, in, in terms of the John Kiley era. Yeah, and James, just like we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, and we want to obviously look back in ten years' time and say that Limerick won an awful lot. But what can you say about this current side that are quickly uh, building a legacy and a, and a dynasty, really? Uh, two monster, two All Irelands. If they win a third All Ireland on Sunday, they would be right up there, toe to toe, head to head, shoulder to shoulder, with the thirties team of the Mackies. Um, Two monster championships, two leagues, three monster champ, two monster championships, and two leagues. Um, they speak for themselves. I mean, we have seen the three games this year. We we beat Cork by eight. We beat Tipperary by five. We beat Waterford by eleven. I mean, we have to beat Cork again on Sunday. Um, they owe nothing. They owe themselves everything. You know, they have been here before. Cork haven't. There's all this talk that Cork, Cork or Cork. Yes, Cork or Cork. But Cork, this Cork team haven't done anything in the last 15, 16 years. There is nobody with an Iron medal in their back pockets. This Limerick team have cumulatively 35, 40, 45, 50 All-Irelands in their back pockets. They have been here. They have been there before. They have done it all before. They have beaten Cork already this year. Nothing I have seen between from the two semifinals would lead me to believe other than a Limerick victory on Sunday. But we have to be very much start well and make sure that we keep our foot and our 
feet on the ground at all times. We must take our chances when they appear. We don't need to score goals. 30, 31, 32 points will win a game most times. I don't see Cork scoring as much as we do. I think we'll press up on the on the puck outs. I'll do, I think we'll do everything that we need to do. Cork will have to play above themselves from what I've seen already this year to beat the Limerick team. We will go out, we will we will we will we will execute in the in in the whatever form that Canark and, and John Kiley and the other selectors want. We know who our our first fifteen are. We know who's going to come in off the subs. Everybody knows what is expected of them. The three games they played to date, they played at an exceedingly high level of intensity of execution. Everything about this team is right. I think we're at the top of our game. I I would be very 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 hopeful about Sunday. And Liam, to finish off in, in a word, who will be climbing the steps of the Hogan Sand on Sunday afternoon? Um, I would agree with James' assessment. Um, if if Limerick um, play the way that we know they can play and that they have played, um, it would take a damn good team playing well to, to come anywhere close to us. So yeah, I, I'd go with James' assessment, yeah. Yeah, and I'll make it three for three on the Limerick front. But look, we look forward to a great game. But um, many thanks to, to Liam O'Brien and James London for, for looking through Limerick's history with the All-Ireland Finals. Um, I suppose it's coming thick and fast the last few years, but it's nice to appreciate that it hasn't always been this way for Limerick. Um, so again, thanks for an hour and six minutes, lads. It was very, very enjoyable and hopefully we'll be able to talk about a, another All-Ireland Final win for Limerick this Sunday.